to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. So we, we launched a, a new series last week called The Way. The Way. And it's all around the question, um, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What, what does that look like? And basically it centers around three principles, uh, to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus, and to do what Jesus does. And so, you know, that saying things out loud in repetition helps you remember, and how many remember grade school or you're a teacher. So let's say it uh, together. So it's uh, be with Jesus, be like Jesus, and do what Jesus does. Let's do it together. To be with Jesus, to be like Jesus, and to do what Jesus does. Sorry my cadence was a little slow. Um, that kind of threw you off. But last week was the way of peace, was the way of peace. And if you missed that message, just go to onechurch.net, click on Markham, and it'll be, it'll be front and center. The title of the message today is With Him, With Him. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for your, your anointing, God. I thank you for the Holy Spirit being so present here, God, that you're right here with us and you're moving God, would you um, help us for these next few moments both to hear and understand, God, uh, beyond our mind but deep in our spirits, and would you overshadow me, God, you know um, that I need you so desperately, God, so would you overshadow um, my weaknesses and help me for these next few moments to articulate your heart. We love you this morning, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen and amen. And so we're running an Alpha course right now on Wednesday night. If you're here and you're from Alpha, I'm so thrilled that you're here on a Sunday. But Alpha, really, um, it, it, the purpose of Alpha is to settle the question, um, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And um, to try to introduce people to Jesus. And so in a non-sort of like churchified kind of expression or explanation of who he is, it's very factual and 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 very just, I'm blown away by Alpha so far, and so I encourage you, if you have a friend or somebody that you care about that they might not come on a Sunday, please invite them out to Alpha. There's a meal, it's a $5 donation, but don't not come because of the $5. We'll feed you for free, and they'll hear about Jesus, so that's, that's pretty great, yeah? yeah? Yeah, and so many of you have settled the question, who is Jesus, but there's a question I wanna confront today, and that's, um, what is the Christian life? What is that? What does that look like? What, what, is, what is the Christian life? Um, I mean, we're a long way away from the 40s and 50s where on a Sunday pretty much the whole community was in church because you ought to be in church on a Sunday, right? But then the 1960s and that ideological revolution and shift in our culture, I mean, we're more than 50 years past that, and now we're living in a postmodern, post-Christian America where the current statistic is about eight out of 10 of our friends and neighbors um, want nothing to do with this Jesus that we're singing about, much less darken the door of a church. And so I think it's worth examining the question, um, what what is the Christian life? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Is it coming to church? Is the Christian life trying to be a good 
moral person? Is the Christian life um, um, serving the poor in the community? Is, is the Christian life um, a good set of principles to live by? Is it approaching the world and your life with a biblical worldview? Um, I would say all of those are components of the Christian life, yes? But what is the Christian life? What, what does it mean to really be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus? I wanna go to the very beginning. Let's go back to the very beginning. Um, I have a video of Christy Johnston singing that song and all of our kids in a circle. I would never show it, but it, they actually acted it out and, and um, I don't know, maybe I'll blackmail Christy for <laughs> That was amazing. Sorry, I've got sound of music in my head all the time. Are you ready for the word? Say yes. yes. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter three. Mark chapter three, let's get into it. I'm starting in verse 13. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. Verse 14, he appointed the 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And so last week we touched on what it meant to be um, in, in the context of Jesus' life, the culture that he, when he was here on earth, that his invitation to follow people, it made sense to, to the Jewish people mainly that he was speaking to because the elite of their society, every young Jewish boy, if he was the, the smartest and the brightest, then he might be one of the cream of the crop that gets selected to follow a rabbi. And that was called the Talmudin. And, and they, would, they would literally live with the rabbi, follow them, imitate their every move, imitate their mannerisms, talk like they talked. And this morning what we're looking at is in our context, what does it mean and what's the starting point? In the context for this verse, Jesus, it's recorded in Luke's gospel that he prayed all night and he is choosing his 12 disciples. But it's really easy because of the construction of the NIV sometimes and just how quick, how our brains are so kind of hyper-stimulated in 2018 to just go right past one of the most vital truths in the New Testament. Let's go back into the text. 13, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted and they came to him. Here it is in verse 14. He appointed the 12 that they might... Be with him, say it with me, be with him. So my first thought this morning, it's so simple, it's so vital, and it's so often overlooked. Write this down if you're taking notes this morning. Our first calling is to be with him. Our first calling is to be with him. And last week we talked about the beautiful invitation, come to me all you who are weary, that everyone's invited, black people, white people, tall people, short people, gay people, straight people, Skinny people, not skinny people. All people are invited. The only prerequisite is that you be weary and that you be burdened. And if you're those things, you, everyone, you're invited into rest. And it's the picture of this beautiful, the broken body of Jesus spreading out his arms saying, everyone, come to me. And the resurrected Jesus, a beautiful picture of him seated at the right hand of the Father day and night praying for you, praying for me. But this morning, it's another invitation. Invitation from the heart of God and it's the first call on your life. The first call on your life is not to clean you up and make you a respectable churchgoer. The first call on your life is not to get you to join one church or be a part of a denomination. 
The first call on our lives is not to be recognized or to build an online platform, to be powerful. Our first calling is not to take our city for Jesus, and all of those things are great. My first calling is not to preach sermons and not to create content my, 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 or pastor people. My first calling is not to try to figure out how to be a husband and, and a dad. The first calling on our lives is to be with him, to be with him. I mean, listen, beloved, if you boil this thing down to its essence, if the main thing, you boil it down to the most important thing, the most core truth in this whole book is that God created humanity. He created us. His desire was to be known and to know us, to be with us. Even though he knew that we'd rebel and that things would spin out and that he was going to have to send his son to pay the bill for our disastrous poor choices. But he wants to be known. He wants, he wants to be with you. He, he wants you to be with him. Think about it for a second, that the God that created everything, like you, they can see through the Hubble telescope now that there's, there's single stars that dwarf our entire galaxy. We are like the tiniest grain of sand and the God who just breathed those things out. He wants to be with you. He wants to be with me. It's incredible. He wants to be with you. He wants to be with me. Listen to the cry of an eternal God. And, and think about for a second how he imprinted this on the human soul. The need to need that connection. Okay? It's scientific fact, if you're medical at all, okay, that a baby, okay, they need food and they need nourishment, but they need attention. They need love and attention. They literally, you can almost destroy their life by ignoring them. They need that interaction. They need to be loved. They need to be wanted. It's built, it's coded into the DNA of humanity, and that's the image of God. He wants to be wanted. He wants to be loved, and he built that into us. Isn't it beautiful, friends? I mean, think about it for a second. Those that, you, you don't have to be a parent. You can just be an aunt or an uncle or be around babies. I mean, like, what's... One of the first things that you want to try to get them to do, they get to be, you know, and not at first because their necks are all jacked up and they don't do much at first. It's not too entertaining. But once they start to, you know, like firm up a little bit and they get a little more fun, what's the thing we work so hard to try to get them to do? We want them to smile, right? And we'll make ridiculous noises like, you know, Evelyn's 17 months now and I started calling her duty, doodle bug. But then it turned into doodly doodle, doo-doo, doodly doo-doo, doo. And I will act like a fool to get this little girl to smile. And she does this crinkly nose thing now. It's just like, it wrecks me. And before that, it was Judah. I used to call him my Judah dude, a Mookie man. Like Mookie Blaylock, the basketball player. It's very obscure. Probably two people in the room know what that means. I call him Mookie man. To this day, he's my Mookie man. My Mookie man. Right? So we'll act like fools to get that reaction, to get that smile from a baby. But it's a glimpse of heaven, friends. It's a glimpse of heaven. That there's a dimension of the love of God that's unlocked in your soul when you experience the newness of life and you see that they need you. And, and when you're a dad for the first time, like if any of you have a baby girl, the first time you hold your baby girl, you like feel the weight of it. I'm responsible for this human forever. And, and you can see the wedding and you get the invoices coming in and what that's gonna cost, right? It's like, like this is a heavy deal, what I just stepped into, right? And you like, you, it unlocks something in you. You've never experienced love like that before. 
before. You've never experienced the weight of anything like that before. It's a glimpse of the nature of God. It's a glimpse into the heart of God. And listen, I know when I talk about that, there's gotta be somebody in a room this size that's struggling with infertility. I wanna breathe life into you for a second. I don't wanna just go over this. And this is another thing that you hear that really hurts your heart. Kathleen and I dealt with that for five years. Just, you just keep on trusting God. You keep on leaning into your relationship with God, okay? Your moment is coming, and it might not look like what you think it's gonna look like or the moment that you think it's gonna look like, but I just got to pray or, or celebrate with a couple that about nine months ago, we prayed up at this front in tears. They knew our story, prayed for them. They just found out that they're having a baby about five days ago. Come on! So you be encouraged this morning if you're dealing with that, and if you want Kathleen and I to pray with you, it'd be our joy. But a little more on my baby girl, because I got the microphone. So Evelyn, she's like seven, 16 months now, and all she wants to do is she'll get a, those cardboard books, and she'll bring them, and she'll go book, right? And I'll bring her up on my lap, and over and over again, it's the same four or five or six books, and it's not even so much about the book now, because she kind of gets bored, and she'll throw it on the floor and go to get another one. No, the thing that she's really into, it's the moment of when I'm like, come on, baby girl, and she climbs up into my lap, and she like snuggles into my lap, right? It's that, yes, you're the center of my attention right now, you're my little girl, come on, I, this, is, this is what I want. I want to be with you and listen, friends, listen to the heart of God. It's the invitation into my arms again and again and say, come and be with daddy, sweet girl. There's some of you in the room, when, the heart of God for you is to remember when you were just a baby in this thing and you just wanted to be in the presence of God. You just wanted to climb up into daddy's arms and you grew up a little bit and maybe things got a little cold, maybe you outgrew it, but the spirit of God is calling you back to that simplest, simplicity of that relationship with you to say, listen, you never are gonna outgrow coming into daddy's arms. He wants to be with you this morning. He, he's welcoming you this morning into his arms again. See that? That baby knew. <laughs> Listen to the heart of God. He's saying, he's saying, I give everything to be with you. Our first calling is not to sit in services. Our first calling is not to serve the poor. And I, I, let's do those things. Our first calling, friends, is not to do anything. It's not about doing. It's about being. It's about being with him. Our first calling is to be with him. Are you still awake? Say yes. yes. Let's, let's carry on in the text. Back in verse three. I'm sorry, back, we're gonna pick it up in 14. He appointed the 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. I, I wanna read it to you from the Good News Translation quickly. And he chose 12 whom he named apostles. I have chosen you to be with me, first calling, he told them, I will also, say also, also send you out to preach and you will have authority to drive out demons. So for some of you in the room, when I say that, it's like, preach, there's some people in the room, you're wired up like me. I see Pastor Tim Wisen in the room and he's like, yeah, I got preach in me, let's go preach. We'll go downtown, Josue Madrano was in the first service, if Scott Howe is here. There's guys that are wired that like, you're like fearless in front of a group and you're like, yeah, let's get it on. I wanna preach, that's Pastor Kyle. I wanna preach, okay? I got preaching me. But there's also people that you're more introverted and the, and the thought of getting up here with a microphone sends like a shiver down your spine and you're terrified of that, right? 
Even, even in our society, when we hear the word preach, we think about the guy in our workplace who's like really high on enthusiasm, but really low on self-awareness, right? Okay, he's really like exuberant and excited, like he's high on that, but he's kind of low on like personal hygiene sometimes. He's got a little halitosis and he's a close talker like me, right? So even the word preach, that's got a really bad reputation out there. Don't preach to me. I don't want you, don't preach at me, right? So I don't want to preach to anybody, Pastor Mike. But listen, every disciple of Jesus, every follower of Jesus, if you'll be with him, you're going to wind up preaching. And it's not always with this. A lot of times, you're not preaching with your words, you're preaching with your life. You're preaching with the way you love people. And if you're a disciple, so you're going to preach at some point, okay, but you're also going to be given authority, authority over darkness, okay? When you're with him, there's, there's, a, there's a communion that happens, and when you walk into dark places, there's a light on you, and you just chase that demonic stuff right out of the room because it can't stay where the light is. So that's going to happen, but that's not our first calling. And listen, I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to put down the teach for a minute, and I'm going to preach this, okay? Listen, I, I think there's a lot of people that want to preach, and they want to have authority, but they're missed out on the first mandate, okay? They've skipped out on the invitation. And listen, you can't preach to anybody unless you've been with him, okay? You, you can't have authority unless you've been with the one that's the source of the authority. You have to be with him to represent him. Many people have a bad taste in their mouth for this Jesus that we've been singing about this morning because he's been so misrepresented by people that are well-intentioned, for the most part, well-intentioned believers, okay? But they've skipped out. They've ignored their first calling. And it's, it's true for individuals. It's true for churches. The landscape is littered with, with, with churches that they have good doctrine, really good doctrine. And, and doctrine is important. We need good doctrine. But you could get so full of this doctrine and memorize half the Bible, but if you're not with him, we're producing people that just want to blast people with the truth. And I'm telling you, friends, we're losing our voice in the culture because all we want to say is, well, that's what the Bible says. Well, guess what? They don't care. So we've got we've to be with him. So there's a softness, a sweetness, a gentleness, a love that's on us. That when we speak, it's so attractive that they see the Jesus that we're singing about. Yeah. Our first calling is to be with him, friends. It's to be with him. And when you're with him, your words aren't going to come out harsh. It's not going to be forced up or worked up or contrived. It's going to be you. It's going to be your personality. So if you're squirrely like me and you like to crack a lot of jokes, it's going to be squirrely. But with the spirit of God on it. And if you're an introvert, if you're, a, if you're an introvert like a high contemplator, then it's going to come out in a way that's not like me. And it's beautiful. It's you. Listen, listen, friends, to the Spirit of God. This is what he's saying to us. If you'll be with me, I'll supply you. I'll resource you. I'll satisfy your soul. I'll anchor you. I'll give you power and authority and grace and mercy. It'll flow out of you if you'll be with me. Our first calling is to be with him, yes? yes. Let's look at another text, 1 Corinthians 1, 9. Wow. I'm not promising we'll be done on time. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 1, 9. God is faithful 
who has called you into fellowship, say fellowship, fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. First John 1, 3. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard. Raise your hand if you've seen and heard. We've seen and heard. So that you may also fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and his son, Jesus. Write this down if you're taking notes. Fellowship is deeper than relationship. Fellowship is deeper than relationship. I feel like in Christendom, we put a whole lot of emphasis on something that's very important, but we put the emphasis on, on one thing to the lack of the other. We put the emphasis, and it's good, on relationship. You must be born again. You need to meet Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus. Does most of us agree, unless you're not a Christian in the room? That scans, right? Yes? Okay, but fellowship is deeper than relationship. Fellowship is a Greek word, koinonia. It means communion, partnership, to share time with, to exchange encouragement. Think for a moment that the God of the universe wants to encourage us and be encouraged by us, that we could encourage the heart of God himself, friends. It means to share life. It's the picture of sitting at a meal and having food together and laughing, okay? And, and just being like yourself and not being weird. Praise God for people that aren't weird, it's sharing your life, your heart. There's an exchange, there's a mingling of souls, an impartation of life. And listen, communication is not fellowship. It is, we have never had more of an attack on fellowship than we have right now. And it's in large part to this thing, okay? This thing right here. I got 800 plus Facebook friends. We have a relationship via Facebook, but I don't have fellowship with many of them, okay? And this, this thing can be a huge barrier to fellowship. I don't have time, but we're gonna take time. Listen, there are husbands and wives in this room that you are falling out of fellowship because of this thing, this thing right here. You see it in a restaurant. You see it in the coffee shop. The couple is sitting there, and one of them is dying for some fellowship, okay? And it's, sometimes it's the man, sometimes it's the woman, but let's say she's there, and she just desperately, like, she, she wants to have that exchange, that mingling of souls, that, that, that sharing, okay? And, and Mr. Man, okay, and I've been Mr. Man, so I'm not preaching down to you. I got, my phone melts 24 hours a day, okay? And there's a constant draw to it, so I'm preaching to myself, and it's hard to even say it out loud, because I struggle. It's it, the draw to this thing. But I watch Mr. Man in the coffee shop, and she's dying inside, because she needs, she needs fellowship, and, and Mr. Man is checking his email and checking his, his feed and checking his whatever, the next deal, the next thing, and before you know it, they don't know each other anymore. And there's a rapidly rising statistic, it's real, okay? Elementary school age, middle school age, high school age kids that are increasingly alienated from their parents because their parents will never disconnect from the screen. The only time they're all together, it's gotta be, there's gotta be a screen at the center of it. And, and listen, I get it. They get to an age where they just wanna go to their room and not hang out with you anymore, right? It's real. It's, it's a natural thing, but this thing can destroy fellowship, friends, and I'm, I'm, our relationships are dying by, by de it's death by distraction, and we were designed for fellowship. I mean, do you, you have anybody in your life that when you sit with them, I got a few people in my life, I got a pastor in Tennessee, I'll call him on the phone, after, it's always an hour at least, and when I hang up that phone, it's like I got an IV of hope and life and joy, and I'm like refreshed from talking to him. So Pastor Dwayne Garner, if you're watching the live stream, I love you, bro. 
So we need that because there's the people that swing the other direction. Do you know what I'm talking about? About seven minutes with that person, you need a counseling appointment with Pastor Mike. Anybody know a person like that? They just drain your batteries, right? Look, I want to be that. I want to be that person that, 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 that we, when we sit down to talk, it inspires, it gives hope, it gives love. But I don't have that, friends. I only have that if I'm with Jesus, if I'm with him. Fellowship is something deeper. The deepest place, it, it, it's, it's deeper than just having a relationship. And we know it, okay? I'll own it. I've gone a year or two without talking to my brother or my sister, like in my family. Something goes to plan, and, and I'm not even putting it on them, it's me. It's me, I don't wanna pick up the phone, I don't wanna deal with it. Can we do that here? It's okay to do that, right? So we got people in this room, you got a family member, something, something spun out, and you have a relationship, but you got no fellowship, right? Right? We can't miss this, friends. Let's bring it back to our spiritual life, okay? You can be saved and on your way to heaven and you can memorize half the Bible and you can have no fellowship with Jesus. And listen, we'll just make it really real. This is what takes pastors out of the ministry. So just to nail it down that I'm not talking down to anybody, okay? Just watch the news for a while. Read Christianity Today. There's another one that comes around, a great leader, 30-year ministry, well-respected, books, airplanes, like they got everything in the world, and something spins out of control, and it hurts a lot of people, and it crushes a lot of people that are, that are, that are part of that ministry, and why does it happen? I can tell you where it starts. They don't wake up one day and go, man, I just wanna, cr- I wanna make shipwreck of my family and destroy everything that I've built and see people hurt. They never start there. Where they start is, they fall out of fellowship with Jesus. They stop being with him. And then you wake up one day and you go, I don't like the person that I've become. So if it's true for leaders and it's true for me, it's true for you, beloved. If you don't stay in fellowship with Jesus, if you don't keep contact with God, fellowship with Jesus, then you're just left to your own resources. And there's too much coming at us in 2018 to manage to manage without the resources of God. And in our, I, I'll, I'll, I'll put it on the church again, okay? We've emphasized excellence and lights and smoke and, 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 and tweetable quotes by the preacher. We've emphasized all this stuff, okay? You, there's other, listen, but you can sit and hear a sermon and you can sing songs, but if you don't make contact with God, if you don't make a connection with the living God, you've wasted your time. We've wasted our time. So there's place, that's why we took, to the worship set was 40 minutes again and we did it in the first service. Listen, and I feel it, I wanna get up and preach, but we gotta make some space for people to step in and connect with God or, or, just, or we're just playing a game. Yes, we can do that. If we don't make contact with God, if we don't make that connection with God, we're missing the most important thing. And listen, listen, and I say this with love because I've done it. I, I've, I've gone through the motions. I've, I've, I've showed up and, 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 and been in a room like this or, or, or been in a small group and I'm tired and I just wanna like check, check back. And I just want you to get that picture that, that when we don't open ourselves and make that, that communion with God, 
When we, when we day after day and week after week just skip out on spending any time with God, I just wanna give you the picture. It's that picture of, of the sweet wife at the table and, she's, and, and she's, she's dying, but listen, but it's Jesus, okay? And he died, he, he, he poured himself out, he spilled his blood out so that he could have a relationship with you, so he could be with you. And he's sitting at the table saying, I just wanna be with you, I wanna be with you. Don't, don't lock me out of your life. Beloved, I want to be with you. We were made to have this, this, this fellowship, this connection with God. Worship team, will you come? Our last text of scripture this morning is in the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 13. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus, had been with him. So my last thought this morning, with him, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. So many of you, you know the scriptural context here, and if you don't, we'll just set it up quickly. It's kind of one of my favorite passages of scripture. Um, Peter and, and John are on their way to the temple. They're, they're on the way to do you know, the, the religious thing that it was to do, and, and um, there's a man who's, who's been, he's been lame from birth, and he's begging for money, on, and, and he, he says he's begging for something, and Peter says one of the best lines in the New Testament, silver and gold I don't have, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And so the guy gets up, and he does what people do when they've been healed and set free. He went berserk. Okay, so I know I talked about this last week and probably the last week, the week before that, but when people have really encountered the power of God and they've been set free, it's not gonna look like this. It's gonna look like this because when you can, when you're alive for the first time, you wanna dance, you wanna shout. But of course, when somebody starts break dancing in the service, it causes a ruckus and that's what happened to our friend and they're preaching about Jesus because when there's a crowd, Peter's gonna deliver the gospel, so he does. And the religious leaders, they don't like it too much because they're the ones that killed this Jesus. So they haul him in. They haul him in. And, and Peter has a chance to speak and it says he's full of the Holy Spirit. What a picture. He lays him out. This is Peter the coward that denied Jesus three times. Now he's Peter the bold. This is the group that put Jesus to death with a word. They could easily have killed them. And he said, listen, the, the, cor the, the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, you're the ones that rejected him. You're the ones that killed him. He lays him out. And that's the context for our verse. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter, Peter the coward, now he's Peter the bold. They saw the, the courage of Peter and John. They realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that they had been with Jesus. Look at me, friends. Some of you are lacking courage in your life. You're lacking victory in your life. You're lacking power in your life. You're lacking resources. You're struggling with fear and uncertainty and insecurity. And you can memorize verses and go to classes and listen to me preach for the rest of your life and never experience the extraordinary. Never experience the supernatural experience. Never, never, never truly have rest for your soul. You can come to church week in and week out and, and, and be trapped in an ordinary spiritual existence, but hear the heart of God, friends. 
if you remember anything, this is what the Spirit of God is saying to us. If you will make being with me the priority of your life, not an addition, not a sprinkling in, if you'll make me the priority of your life, you will experience the supernatural. You will experience power. You will experience rest and peace. You'll experience me. You'll have power and insight and grace and rest and your life will preach. You won't have to work it up. It'll just come out of you. And you'll have authority and encouragement will come out of you. With him, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. Listen, I resonate with this. I didn't go to Bible school. I went to nursing school. I don't have a PhD. I got delivered off drugs. An ordinary person. <laughs> but I met him. I met him in this place 20 years ago, some 21 years ago now, and he, and he wrapped his arms around me. And again and again, this is, the, this is the, the, it's the call of my life. Again and again, he's saying, Michael, just be with me. Make me the most important thing. Listen, I'm never a better husband than when I've been with him. I'm never a better daddy to my little boys and little girls than when I've been with Jesus. I'm never a better pastor. I'm never a better brother. I'm never a better um, son. I'm never a better friend than when I've been with Jesus. With him, peasants become princes. With him, broken become whole. With him, addicts become pastors. With him, orphans become part of a family. With him, the bitter become sweet. With him, the barren become parents. With him, fools shame the wise. With him, the overwhelmed receive rest. With him, the ordinary man becomes a worker of miracles. There's no safer place than when you're with him. There's no more creative environment, you creatives, than when you're with him. There's no safer place if you've been hurt and horribly abused in your life. There's no safer place than when you're with him. There's no more joyful place if you're depressed than when you're with him. There's no more fruitful place if you're frustrated than when you're with him. Walking with him, living with him, being with him. So how do I do that in 2018? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm stretched out and I'm maxed out and, and so many demands on my attention. And I'm gonna say it again. It's so much less about doing than it is about being, but you do have to make some space. David said in Psalm 63 in the New King James, Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And so I only want to give you one practical thing. Next week I'm preaching out of the most important passage of Scripture to me. It's, it's, um, to me it's the deepest. So I'm going to give you some more practical things next week, but... I know that speaking this message, there's, there's people in this room that you love God, you love him, and you've had an experience with him, but you know as I'm saying this that you're not in fellowship with him. There's no mingling of souls, there's no, there's no um, koinonia, there's no exchange of life. 
and our hearts are prone to drift and we're just prone to get overwhelmed and run and hide from him. So, that, so I, I'm trying to breathe life into you and say that for me, for me, the most practical starting point is to just get up a few minutes earlier and before you look at your social media feed and before you look at all the emails that popped up overnight and before you look at all the text messages that came after you went to sleep, that before you do that, maybe before your feet even hit the floor, that you just open your eyes, close your eyes, look at the ceiling, but just say, God, I want you to be first today. Jesus, I wanna be with you. I wanna know you, I wanna have fellowship with you. I want our hearts to be connected. because our first calling is to be with him. Fellowship is deeper than relationship. And with him, when you're with him, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. We stand to your feet all across this room. Please nobody leave for just a moment unless you got a plane to catch or your car's on fire. Just for a moment, can't hear a word like this and just walk out the door. We gotta settle some accounts, okay? So maybe you're in this room and you love God. You, you love God, but, but you've just fallen out of fellowship. Maybe you're a leader in this room and you've gotten so busy and I know of what I speak that a few days have become a few weeks, have become a few months and you're just disconnected from the heart of God. And hear me, friend, you're still just as called you're still just as gifted. Those gifts are irrevocable. God's not standing mad at you because you're disconnected. He is, he, he's, his arms are out. He's the father in the prodigal story. He's running to you, running to you this morning, saying, I wanna be with you. I wanna be close to you. But if you're that leader, right here in the presence of God, if he hasn't already, he's gonna begin to put his finger on some things in your life that you just need to put to the side for a little while. I can tell you the Lord's been speaking to me. I'm getting ready to start a 30-day fast. No social media, no YouTube, ouch. No, um, no sports, 30 days. And I'm gonna fast some food. We're gonna talk more about fasting in the series. Because I got so much going on, I need him. I, I, I need him more now than I've ever needed him before. So he's gonna begin to speak to you right now. Every eye, just close your eyes for a moment and just let, let God speak. There's leaders in, the, so many leaders in this room, so many people with calling and with purpose, There's so much destiny in this room right now. It's like a simmering pot, this church, a room this size with so many talents and so many anointings and so many giftings. The Spirit of God, he just wants to turn down the temperature a little bit so that it's a simmer and not a boil. <laughs> he wants to be with you. He wants to speak to you. So put your finger, God, on those things that we just need to push off to the side for a little while so we can be with you, God. There's marriages in this room that you've fallen out of fellowship. You got relationship. You got, you got a mortgage. You got kids to raise, but there's so many things that, are, that have come before your spouse, and 
You need the Spirit of God to just pull that callous, that hardness off your heart. And listen, if you've got a broken marriage in this room, I just want to tell you from the heart of God that He can give you a love for that person again. He can make it better than it ever was before. So don't lose hope this morning. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I want to know you, God. I want to be with you, God. Just every eye closed for just a moment. I just, the Spirit of God, he's, he's drawing so many of you. There's people in this room, you've been in church forever. You grew up in church, maybe your parents were leaders in a church, and you've just seen it all, and you know you can preach my sermon better than me, and God is saying to you this morning, I, I just wanna be with you. I just want to be with you. So some of you, we're just gonna let the music play. You need to step out from where you are and just take a few steps up to a spot in this room where you can be with Jesus. We're not gonna keep you long but he wants to be with you. Maybe you just need to kneel down at your seat. Maybe you just need to close your eyes and raise a hand and say, God, I, I, just, wanna, I just wanna give you my heart again, God. I just wanna start like we started at the beginning, God, like our first date, God, when all I wanted to do was be with you. And all I wanted to do was hear your voice, God. All I wanted to do was feel your presence, God. Life of faith is more being than it is doing. To the overwhelmed person in this room that's going really fast, the Spirit of God is saying, slow down in your heart, in your spirit, and be with me. Turn your heart to me, says the Lord. Oh, you're worthy, God, you're worthy. you're in this room right now and you've never met Jesus, you, maybe you've been on the periphery and you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, your moment is right now. He's inviting you into the most beautiful fellowship, the most beautiful relationship. Would you just, all across this room, raise your hand if you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ right now. We're just going to pray a prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I don't want to miss out while the Spirit of God's here on inviting you into a family, into the kingdom. You're in this room, raise your hand all over this room. It's hard to see with the lights. You wanna give your life to Christ. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Can we do this? Can we pray a prayer together? It's just a prayer of consecration. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I wanna be with you again. I'm sorry that I got far from you. I just got busy and overwhelmed, but I need you, God. Would you meet me here right now? Fill me, Holy Spirit, afresh. Make me soft again. Make me sensitive again. Change me, God. Help me to let go. And just be with you. I give you my busyness. 
I give you my life again. I'm yours, God. In Jesus' name.